Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. Welcome to Thursday afternoon's late lunch on LMFM Radio News. Just in, the interest rate rise has been confirmed by the ECB. It's half of 1% from later in the year. So interest rates for the first time in a long time rising. That's a half of 1% up. They go more about that on our news here through the afternoon. Welcome to the show. If you want to get in touch with us, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We have lots of people to chat to this afternoon. And I begin today with a man who is celebrating his ordination as a priest in the Catholic Church. Now, it was to have happened back in 2015, but he decided at the last minute to take a little more time over his decision, but glad to report that he is now a priest and a celebrated his first Mass. And I'm delighted to say hello again to Father Barry White. Hello, Barry. Hello, Jerry. Thanks for having me on the show. Not at all. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Anyway, you're there now at long last. And, you know, I want to just start from that point. You actually had, what, six years done in 2015 and you're on the cusp of being ordained. What happened? (laughs) Good question. Um, I suppose, yeah, 2015, I had completed six years. um, Six great years. Um, I had completed past replacements in Navin, Trim, New York. I kind of... I had some great experiences of parish life and kind of confirmed for me maybe that, you know, this was the right path. Um, I enjoyed the prayer life of the seminary. I loved studying theology. So I was still quite passionate about, you know, my faith and about ministry. But I suppose coming close to the finish line, I like I was 24 years of age. I was like, maybe I should um, slow things down a little bit um kind of take time out, just figure out, is this really what I want? Um and yeah, I decided to um, to take time out. I kind of felt, well, you know, if I went through with this at that early age, there was a chance maybe that it wasn't the right choice. I said, it's a win-win situation. I can take time out. It'll either lead me to something else or it'll lead me back and I'll be more at peace with the decision. So that's, that's what I did. So back out you came among the proletariat, as they say, and decided to sample what life is like in, in general again. You you trained for teaching, was it? You went teaching, was that it? Yes, yeah, so in 2015 then I, um, I completed my studies in theology. I completed all my formation for the priesthood in 2015, um, but you know I didn't go forward for ordination. So um, I started teacher training in Trinity College in Dublin, uh, two years there. And I was based in schools during those years in in Swords and here in Navan. And then I also then, when I qualified, I taught in Dublin for two years and then came back to Trim to teach for my final year um, before I came back to the diocese. And, and I met you, wasn't it, in 2018, Ethiopia. Just remind me about that. 
Yeah, so 2018, I was one year uh, teaching as a newly qualified teacher, and I decided to go out to, to Ethiopia. And it was always something I wanted to do in terms of going out to um, to a country either in Africa or, or Asia and, and work with a with local community. And since I was a teacher, it made sense to to, to teach. I was teaching English and religion in uh, in a school in northern Ethiopia, a place called Alitena, in, in northern in the north part of the country. Mm. Uh, sadly, it's um, it's very much a conflict zone at the moment, um, and I think the the village I work in is is abandoned. Really, I think oh. many many have left us and headed to uh, across the border into Sudan into yes. refugee camps. And so it's a war zone that. at the moment. Yeah, sad to hear that. It's the way things change uh, in, in countries with conflict. The con- staying with conflict obviously you had a conflict yourself and you decided look I want to go out again into uh, the world and see what it's about um, did you contemplate you know um, perhaps uh, uh, taking the, the route of the married life did you date when you were out in this break in time what, what happened there yeah like, as, soon as, as soon as I left the seminary um, I'd say within the first six months after leaving I kind of felt I can't see myself coming back. Um, I think I, was, I started teaching something new. Um, I enjoy being in schools and I enjoy teaching. And um, yeah, of course, I, like I dated, I, I was in two, two long relationships, you could, you could say. And it was, you know, I kind of felt drawn in some way to that life commitment, that life companionship. Um, but I suppose 20, well, but 2019, I, I was... I'd been teaching for a couple of years. As I said, I'd been in a few relationships and something was niggling at me that I felt um, that there's something drawing me back to ministry as a priest. And and that's, I, I suppose I, I thought, I'll give this a little bit more time. I'm not going to make a, a sudden decision on this. And I just, I gave it time I, in terms of prayer, uh, more silent time. And slowly but surely that feeling kind of came back to the surface. I just felt still called to be a priest. And I felt that, even in terms of celibacy, that that was a way of life that I felt drawn to, to actually make myself more available um, to people and also to be available in terms of, say, teaching within parish life, in terms of, say, school chaplaincy, but also then, um, like I worked in, in Avon Hospital as a porter during my time out while I was doing teacher training. And even that were moments where I felt um, I wish I was kind of a chaplain to the sick as opposed to being the, the porter bringing them around. I kind of felt I, I wanted that kind of rapport um, that kind of professional rapport to, to support and to, to console so um, even those moments throughout those years out where I kind of felt a niggle or a draw to to ministry you know and even mm. in yeah, teaching in schools there's that draw draw towards kind of chaplaincy um, and I did a little bit of chaplaincy as part of my uh, teaching in religious education isn't that interesting? So the call was great and it came back to you and it spoke to you and you said, I'm going back. So when you decide you're going back, you just pick up the phone and ring the boss and say, hi, here I am. Let's go. Pretty much, actually. <laughs> um, I, I contacted the vocation director at the time and we had a chat and he said, uh, I think you're ready to come back. Initially, I thought he'd say, listen, come back to me in maybe three or four months time, see where you're at with the, with the decision. Um, but he was he said, so why don't you call the bishop? So I, I spoke to the bishop a couple of days later and uh, met him for a coffee and, and just chatted, told him, you know, what I'd been doing for the previous uh, four years uh, that I was teaching and, um, you know, I had a, a time away from seminary and I had got a, 
um, a new perspective on my on my call, and uh, he was happy to to accept me back. And I, I officially came back to the diocese in May of 2020. Okay, and you've been a deacon in Navin there uh, for the last number of years. But you really had all the the studies and everything was under your belt. It was only that final step then to be made. Yeah, so the bishop said, I'll uh, assign you to to Navin Parish, which I was absolutely delighted with because I was a a student in St. Patrick's Classical School. I was there as a a trainee teacher. And also then I'd been in Navin Hospital as a supporter. So it was nice to come back to Navin no one, and it's uh, even now it's great when you're on the streets you recognise faces and uh, people stop to chat and it's just lovely to kind of it's like a home from home to me and um, so yeah that was that was the bishop's plan I was delighted with that and then he asked me to do further studies in theology and I'm doing that through a university um, the Catholic University of Louvain in Belgium that's a distance learning course that I'm doing Good on you uh, Rushwe the church at Rushwe is there a nicer church in the land tell me um, yeah, it's definitely one of the nicest country churches. Yeah, it's it's, it's a beautiful little spot, um, and very special to me because it's it's where I kind of I started to serve mass. My grandparents used to bring me to mass there, and it's where they're buried as well. So I kind of I'm actually celebrating mass there tonight. So yeah, it has a very special significance to me. Oh, it's just beautiful. It is one of the most picturesque, quaint and beautiful. And where it's appointed there is just something else. And that's why I wanted to mention it, because you are. That's a special homecoming for you to rush we this evening. Where did you celebrate your first Mass? First Mass was celebrated in Red Kenny Church itself. Right. Um, That was on Monday evening. And uh, it was was amazing, really, because the choirs there from the three parts of Red Kenny, Grange Geese, Red Kenny itself, and Rush We got together and they... They sang amazingly, and um, there was lovely musical accompaniment and everything. And it was—I was blown away by the, the the level of work and energy that the parish, um, you know, gave to, mm. to actually preparing the parish. And was a lot of painting was done, a lot of um, decorating was done with paper bunting and everything. And the parish looked so well for for the first mass, and, and I'm, I'm very very proud of the parish for for all the hard work it's it's, it's put into. Uh, to welcome my son back to the parish mm. to celebrate his first mass, so I was very, very, very pleased and very, very grateful to the parish. They're very proud of you, Barry, and your family is as well. It's an exciting time, I know, for your family, and they, uh, they really are so happy for you. And I'm sure you feel that. Oh, definitely, I definitely do. Um, you know, and I've, I've felt that um, certainly the last couple of years when I told people that I was going back to the diocese. Um, Definitely the last couple of months, and especially the last few weeks. Um, but, and I, on Sunday afternoon, when I was ordained a priest, like the, the cathedral in Mullingar was was full of parishioners from from Navan, from Kenny, from from other parts, and along with family and friends. And it was just amazing to have that level of support behind me as I processed up into the sanctuary. So, um, yeah, it, it, it meant an awful lot. And then you know to gather again on on Monday evening, especially after the first mass. Um, and, and with, this was after after COVID, you know, it's been great for, for the parish to gather, uh, really for the first time, I'd say, mm. um, as a parish community since uh, you know the the lockdowns yes. of COVID. So it was it was a lovely parish celebration in Rathkenny Hall afterwards. A couple of things like going forward for you, and you know you're aware of these yourself. The church and you, you're 31 years of age. You're the exception mm-hmm. at the moment, a young vocation, a young mm-hmm. priest coming into the church that's been battered and bruised for years because of the whole abuse scandal and everything that goes along with that. 
Are you happy that you're becoming involved in something that is renewing itself and has a, a very important future and part to play here in Irish society and in the in, in world society? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose when you do enter the priesthood, you're very, very conscious of the level of pain and hurt that people have experienced um, at the hands of the church in the past um, in terms of the, um, the abuse of minors, the abuse of power, the abuse of conscience that was, you know, perpetrated by the institution itself. So you're you're very conscious and very sensitive to that, um, starting off in ministry. But you're also then looking in terms of the future and and at the moment in the church there's what's called a synodal process that Pope Francis has um begun and it's it's starting our diocese uh, in in Lent of this year and it's it's a process which allows people from church life itself but also people who are not mass goers actually express their opinions. And during um, the weeks of Lent, uh, there were meetings in various parishes around the diocese for people to come and, and share their concerns, um, raise questions, uh, have discussions about about the church and where it's going in the future. So um, I'm part of that, 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 renew, that process of renewal, um, which would certainly take time. Um, and it's... Yeah, it's it's rethinking uh, old structures. Um, I think you know we're seeing emerging of parishes and emerging of dioceses mm. in this country, and we're looking at that, um, you know, for the for the future, and also how we can best pool resources. You know, it might look like different parishes working together, um, priests and lay people and religious from different parishes working together. Um, in terms of maybe evangelization, in terms of faith formation of people, helping people to get to know their faith more and develop their faith more. Um, it's, it's calling for a, um, a lot of new thinking. Oh yeah, new thinking is right, and and that's I I know that's uh, uh, on your mind and part of your ministry going forward. You you mentioned you've signed up to the celibacy aspect of of the priesthood as well, and uh, it is a topic as well that it raises its head from time to time and being talked about as well. You've signed up to the rules. You're happy to go with the rules. What about down the road if that changed? Um. So, like I, as I said um, before in the, in, in the Me Chron- Me, in Chronicle article um, during it, it was uh, put out last week, um, you know, you know, celibacy is to say what it is. It's, it's a man-made rule, but in some ways, it, 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 there's an inspiration from the Holy Spirit with that. You know, it's um, it, but it's, it can change. You know, that that can change, um, and certainly it's not a it's not a closed question. Mm. Would you like um, to see it change, Barry? I personally have embraced uh, celibacy. I feel it's a, it's, a, it's a positive way of life that I've lived during my first time in seminary, that I've lived in the la- you know, over the last uh, couple of years. Um, I'm at peace with it. I feel it makes me available to the people of God and to, to serving God in his people. Um, but I think it, it, could ch- it could change. And I think it could be open to review in terms of uh, married men being you know admitted to the priesthood. I think yes. that that is something that was raised in the, as part of the synodal process, and uh, I think will be reviewed in the future. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of um, the Irish Church, but also I think across 
across the university church as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's a bigger question, of course, for the church at a macro level, uh, mm-hmm. from Rome uh, out to the uh, various uh, constituents of the, of the church around the world. Anyway, look, it, it's great to chat to you again. Delighted for you. Rush Wee Church tonight is going to be very, very special. I wish you well with your ministry going forward. May God bless you in all you do. And congratulations again on your ordination. Jerry, thank you so much. Thank you for the interview. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Father Barry White there, young man entering the priesthood. Um, Frank's been on, uh, and he's from uh, uh, Barry's own community, and he says, you know, you asked the question, Jerry, why would anyone want to join the priesthood after all that happened? I mentioned it there at the Barry, and we've been talking about it. Anyway, it makes all kinds of uh, people to make this world go round, and I want to wish Barry, says Frank, all the very best of luck in the future. Thank you indeed for that message. If you want to comment on anything we've been talking about, do get in touch with us. 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. The heat of recent days has got to most people in this country. Thankfully, when you hear the weather forecast there, temperatures are falling back and it is much cooler and bearable. But if you thought it was hot here, bear a thought for those in Europe where temperatures have just been consistently through the roof and continue uh, to stay very, very hot. My next guest on the show today, well, they set off on the journey of a lifetime last May, May of this year, just gone by, uh, and they're away until September, travelling right round Europe in a camper van that they converted during lockdown. Well, how have they been faring in the intense heat? I'm delighted to say hello on late lunch this afternoon to end the call and Aileen Ryan. Hello, folks. How are you doing? Uh, Welcome to the show. Great to talk to both of you. And first with you, tell us the story of this camper van, because this is a project that began during COVID lockdown, isn't it? Yeah, so um, we got the idea from sort of TikTok and online that, uh, you know, you could do this if you watched a couple of YouTube videos and we were stupid enough to uh, to try it ourselves and, and it hasn't been going too, uh, too badly just yet. And you did it yourself. This is the thing. You had no experience before in converting. Between YouTube and other sources of information, you were able to get all the knowledge together, get what you needed and convert this van. Yeah, so... Uh like YouTube is one of the best educational sources you can have at the minute. You can get so much stuff on it. And I just sort of watched as much as I could, uh, tried to copy what people were doing. And uh, thankfully, the van is still in one piece and we're flying away around Europe now at the minute. It's a Ford Transit. What year is it? Oh, it. And uh, how much would it have cost you all in between the conversion and putting in what you needed to make it habitable? Uh, so, it, you know, like there's loads of ones that you can do. Uh, there's been people we've met that have spent, you know, upwards of 20, 30 grand on theirs. We didn't spend uh, half as much as that on ours. You can do it fairly cheap. It uh, depends how much you want to uh, want to put in and how fancy you want it. We could sort of made it uh, mid-range. So there's like a, a bed, a, a small bathroom, a kitchen, a fridge, a couple of places to, to sit and have our dinner and things like that. So... The van and the conversion and all that there was around uh, 6,000 euros in total. And that was sort of split between the two of us. So we, we did it over two years over, over COVID and sort of spread out the cost. So all in all, it wasn't actually too bad. It didn't uh, put us out of pocket too much. 
Good on you. So you head off in May. Is this journey planned? Did you, do you know exactly which country you're going to head first, which towns and cities you're going to travel to, or is it off the cuff? We had a rough plan when we started. Um, we started in Bilbao because we had a family wedding to go to down in Rhonda near Malaga. So that was sort of our first real uh, sort of plan. We, we went from Bilbao down the west coast of Spain and into, into Portugal and uh, then to Rhonda. But since then, it's sort of been off the cuff, especially with uh, the weather recently. We were supposed to actually be in Verona today, but it's going to be uh, 42 degrees in Verona. So we're sort of trying to avoid the heat wave as much as we can by going into sort of lakes and mountains and things like that just to, to try to escape the heat as much as we can. So you're in Italy at the moment. I was in Verona in my last trip before where we were locked down. Of course, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. You'll enjoy it when you arrive there. But you're in Italy seeking the cool, is it? Yeah, we're up in a place called Lake Izio, just above Lake Garda. So we're not too far away from Verona at the minute, but... Mm. Uh, we're, it's 36 degrees here, but we're beside a lake, so we, we have that to keep us cool at least. <laughs> you can jump in there. Let's uh, talk to Aileen Ryan from Rush in North County, Dublin. Hello, Aileen. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Now, come on, spill the beans. What's that transit like when it's 40 degrees in the evening times? It's a bit tough. Uh, we have a little fan that we have running the whole night, and we have the doors and windows open constantly. But of course, then you get uh, wasps and mosquitoes coming in the odd times. So it can get a little tense in the van at times, but it's not too bad. Mm. And besides the heat, are you sure you'll meet all manners of weather when you're over there, May to September? I believe there was a deluge one night as well through the skylight. Is that right? Oh, God, yeah. In uh, Oviedo, I thought Enda was going to rip the van apart. <laughs> the water was coming in the roof and we had to end up driving to... Uh, lay on in the middle of the night because we just couldn't handle anymore because it was coming in on our bed so not ideal not ideal is right room wise what have you you have a bed that sleeps both in it have you much I'm trying to we, we, we can picture the transit in our minds as we talk to you today it, it's pretty tight you have to use the outdoor space I take you know to make it uh, livable and, and you know that you're not driving each other mad in that tiny space yeah, so we have a fixed bed frame, which is really handy because we don't have to make the bed every night. Great. So that takes up a bit of space in the van. But we actually have a good bit of space. Like we have, we call it our bedroom and then we have our separate kitchen area. And um, But we have a table and chairs that we take out, take out outside. So we kind of have a separate little dining area. Mm. Do you have an awning or anything that you put outside or anything like that? No. We were going to, but we decided against it and we generally just try to park underneath trees so we have yes. the shade. So it's uh, it's working out well so far. So we're now on, on this journey, May, June, July, August, September. It's, it's a long time you're taking in uh, Spain, Italy, France. Where do you stay at night? How do you find a place to stay? What's the story there? So we use an app called Park for Night and we just, it has like reviews from other people who've stayed there and we just pick there we've stayed in free parking spots like in car parks we've stayed in campsites and parked up ne- next to the beach so it's working out well so far the park for night off is definitely something we'd recommend to anyone who's going to travel around mm. and to give it these number of months how is it working out for you both of you work wise did you quit your jobs or are you still working or are you on leave of absence or uh, extended annually what's the story there Aileen so I was working in a law firm for two years before we decided to go on this trip. Um, and I said that I didn't want to be 
working remotely or anything. I just wanted to enjoy it. So mm. um, we saved up beforehand, but Enda can't sit still. So he's doing some remote <laughs> journalist work um, along the road. So we find Starbucks or co-working spaces for him on the days that he's working. So, but I just get to relax. Good on you, Aileen. You have it worked out. You are the <laughs> smart one. That, that is She's smart. a kept woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Enda, I don't want to be at the centre of a dispute here. It's bad enough watching Love Island every night. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Having a row with the Perry and you on this amazing, amazing journey. But Enda, look, seriously as well, it, it, it can't be all plain sailing. Is that fair to say? That's uh, yeah, that's very fair to say now. Um, there's been a few hiccups along the way, you know, like you get to somewhere that's on the app and it might not be exactly what it uh, it entails or what it looks like. Um, we've been eaten alive at times by mosquitoes um, in certain places because of the heat and because of the, the different sort of bugs that you get out here. But um, I would definitely say that the hardest part was just has been the heat over the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks is it's it sort of we it was grand when we started in may uh, because it was around 23 to 27 but mm. then ever since we got to uh, june july it's been above 30 pretty much every day so that does get a bit tiring um at times but i would say that also the uh the the good times definitely outweigh yes. the, the bad times bad parts but uh, by a country mile the tolls are a bit of an issue as well. Did you get stuck? Did I read on 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 one of those tolls? Where was it? Yeah, so that was in uh, that was in Portugal. That was our first experience with. Uh, it's like these ticket tolls that they have out here, where you initially, when you get onto the motorway, you come up to the toll and you collect the ticket. Um, but the the, the, the ticket barrier the barrier something. already came up. So uh, we just drove straight through. We thought it was uh, some sort of free toll or it took your number plate or something like that. And then we got to the next toll where you actually pay um, and we didn't have a ticket. And the person at the toll didn't understand why we didn't have a ticket. And doing all that through a different language with them is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. So uh, we got stuck there and we ended up getting slapped with a a hefty enough 60 euro uh, (gasps) toll pay because if you don't if you don't have your ticket, that's that you get you have to pay the maximum and I think the maximum is 60 at that time mm. yeah I feel your pain I feel it for <laughs> sure and um, w- when you talk about this wonderful trip y- you park up somewhere and then obviously you go in and you travel into the city or the town or wherever you go sightseeing that's that's your day is that the way it works Aileen is that sort of what you're at most days yeah, pretty much. Um, we know that some people prefer to park at nighttime, like they go find somewhere after their day of traveling. Mm. But we like to get settled in the morning so we have somewhere to come back to. And then we'll head into the city and do a bit of sightseeing. Um, we tend to do like a few museums if it's like really hot out and we want some air con or we'll just go to a cafe or something. But it's just nice to walk around these cities. And like there's such a nice culture over here of just sitting outside in the sun, having a glass of wine and just just enjoying the sights. I'm so envious. I absolutely <laughs> adore Italy. It's my favourite country in the world. I hope to get back there again this year. And pasta and pizza and everything. Um, you'll be um, feeling the belt getting a little tighter, will you, Aileen? <laughs> We're doing plenty of walking, so it's not too bad just yet. But I think Italy might be might be a bit tougher. There's um, so much good food. Oh, yes. And the ice creams and desserts as well. Oh, my, oh, my. You lucky ducks. In terms of, of highlights or places you've been, I'm going to ask both of you. Aileen, for you, the highlight, the, the nicest place you've been to so far, if you were to pick one. 
Um, I'd say San Sebastian in northern Spain. And like for one of the reasons was that I didn't know anything about it. And so when we got there, it was just so gorgeous. Um, there's a beach, but there's also the old town. And even though it's, there's a lot of Michelin restaurants and it would be quite expensive, there's lots of cheap places. Uh, you just go up to the bar and get like little snack foods. They're called pinchos. And it's just, it's so cheap. And it was a little daunting at first because everybody is talking in Basque, which is very, very different to Spanish. But mm. yeah, that was, that was a highlight for us. It was a great spot. Sir, Enda, for you, is it the same? That, yeah, San Sebastian was amazing. Uh, and it was it was one of the first places, I think it was the second place we went mm-hmm. after Bilbao, so it was like a great start. But I think one of my my highlights has been, um, we mentioned like the Park for Night app. There's also um, on the app, there's some farmers that'll allow you to, to come and park up in, in their spot, in their in their farm for the night. We, we stayed in one in in France that was in just some random location. I can't mm-hmm. remember where exactly it was, but it was on a, a farm where they had local produce in the shop. They had like charcuterie and, and cheese and things like that, a swimming pool. It was right beside a sunflower field and it, it was it was absolutely gorgeous and it was free as well to stay there. So it was just, that was one of the things that you'd never get if you went on a normal holiday and it was just unique to the the sort of van life experience. So I thought mm. uh, that would probably be a highlight for me. Oh my, talk about wetting people's appetites. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're away now till when? September time. So your journey continues on from here, yes? Yeah, yeah. so we're uh, we're at the north of Italy now. So we're going to do a lip, loop of Italy and then down through the, the south coast of France again before heading up the west coast of France uh, and then back onto the ferry and home. Well, if you survive this heat in Europe this year, <laughs> let me say to both of you, you'll survive anything that comes your way. That is for sure. <laughs> and, you know, you're newbies to this, which is fantastic. And obviously, this is an unbelievable journey you're on. Beyond this, have, have you even put your thoughts towards that, you know, next year and beyond? Um, we're not sure yet. Like, we don't really have a plan when we get back to Ireland, but we'll probably take a few weekend trips around Ireland to see some of the, the landscape at home. But um, Enda might live in the van. I'm not sure. <laughs> he might come down to Dublin and park in my driveway. <laughs> so I'm not sure uh, what the, what we're going to do afterwards. Like, it's so, uh, it's so difficult to even think about buying a house or anything at home at the moment. Mm. So mm. we're happy enough with the van for a while. Um, after that, we're not really sure. We don't really have much of a plan. Yeah, we might stick it up on daft.ie for a couple <laughs> of hundred euro a month to see <laughs> I'd hold on to that, to be honest with you, Aileen, because if anything happens, you can say, get out of that van. (laughs) 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 Ah, You know what? You're great sports. You're great fun. You really are. And just to tell our listeners as well, uh, I've so enjoyed our conversation today. You're on Instagram. Tell them where they can follow you for the rest of this wonderful journey. Oh, yeah. Our Instagram handle is uh, where to wander. So it's where underscore to underscore wander underscore. There you <laughs> so, go. So uh, if they want to if they want to f- follow us along on our journey, that would be great. I take it you'd recommend this life to people and the, the camper van scenario. Definitely. And I'd say that, like, you know, we see a lot of people who say, oh, quit your job to travel. But it is possible to take a little break out for the summer and go and do it and enjoy it and then come back and get a job and, you know, go for weekend trips. Like, it's definitely possible to do. I wouldn't say that it's, you know, totally out of reach for people. So definitely would recommend it. 
Great stuff. Listen, we'll come back to you if you don't mind September time just to check how you got on and you'll probably have more stories to tell us at that stage. It's a wonderful adventure you're on and fair play to both of you and enjoy life every day as you are at the moment uh, because this is something you'll always look back on as the time of your lives. Good wishes to you. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank Cheers. You. Now. Can I just give a, a quick shout out to the lads down in the uh, Foley Tomato Farm in Rush? They, uh, they listen to the green scene every Saturday, so they said <laughs> to give them a shout out. Good on you. Eddie's here. He'll be delighted hearing that as well. And uh, hello to everybody and make sure you're tuned in again this Saturday. Well done to you. And uh, thanks so much. End the call on Alien Ryan. Bye. Cheers, Thank now. you. Bye-bye. 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 Aren't they lovely? What a story that is. Ah, oh, but a smile on your face, wouldn't you, this afternoon? Italia and the food and everything that goes with it. Please, please let it be sometime this year for yours truly. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. We're heading to a break. And soon on Late Lunch, I'm delighted to say I'll be joined in studio by the wonderful Barbara Scully. Ah, listen, I'm so looking forward to meeting her on Late Lunch this afternoon. And I know you love her too. Oh, I'm so looking forward to chatting to my next guest. She's a writer, columnist, broadcaster who previously worked in PR, travel and computer training and has recently published a memoir come self-help guide. It's her first book that's so honest uh, as it takes you through the various decades of her life. So with her swinging 60s on the way, how has it been? Barbara Scully, welcome to the show. It's so great to be here, Jerry. Thank you. I so enjoyed this book because I suppose you and I are of the similar eras, you know what I mean? And when I see you writing about 10cc, I'm not in love. <laughs> and the slow set. Oh, the slow set, it brings me back, back, back. <laughs> Do you know what I'm thinking here today? I want to say this to you first. Yeah. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Do you ever feel that what you've done, perhaps most of us should nearly do this right about our decades do you know it was really interesting and it wasn't how I set out to write the book um, but as I got into it and I knew I wanted to share some stories because what I wanted from the book more than anything else was that just the reaction you've had that people would enjoy reading it um, so it was when I had it kind of the first draft done that I realised it was all in a higgledy-piggledy jumble and that was when I put it into the decades because I thought it made more sense but actually in doing that it was a really interesting exercise and it actually fed into the later parts of the book because I think I mean I can only talk from the perspective of, of a woman but I think particularly women we don't give ourselves credit for some of the nonsense and the crap we've gone through uh, in the various decades of our life and I think by looking back as I did and not all of the not all of my life in each of those decades is in there but the aspects that I picked out um, you realise God I'm actually you know I'm actually tougher than I thought I was I've actually you know and it's really important that we give ourselves credit um, for negotiating the storms as well as the good the good bits um, of our lives. And so I think that that is really important. And I mean, one of the things, the book is called Wise Up. um, And one of the things about wisdom that's really important, and again, it's only when I started to think about it, I realised you can't learn wisdom. You can't go to college and come out wise. Wisdom purely comes from lived experience. Um, So I think, and that doesn't mean, I mean, my life has not been extraordinary in any particular way. It's it's the same as I'd say, you know, the vast majority of men and women. You know, it's been, there's been ups, there's been downs. I didn't crash through any glass ceilings. I didn't get to the top of anything. I didn't invent anything. Um, But that doesn't mean that I haven't learned a lot from the the normal, if you like, 
storms of life. So I think it's really important that we understand that. And it's good and great you say that because that is what life is for most of us. Yeah. And we do have these learnings in our lives, the yeah. tough times, the great times. Exactly. And everybody has them. That's exactly. the thing to say. Exactly. And I think women in particular, the other the other part which kind of is more in the second part of the book, I talk about women finding their voice because mm. I think we as women are very good at sharing our experiences and our life stories in safe spaces with other women. So the book club, the girlfriends, the women we meet, you know, in our day to day, where we feel it's safe and it's, 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 it's a good place to share. And that's really important. But I think what we need to do, and again, I think from a feminist point of view, in order to achieve full equality, we need to be prepared to take those stories and share them, not just in a, a more public way, although that would be great, but just in a more general way, mm. um, you know, with men as well as women. Because I think a lot of men, and again, I'm aware of the fact that, you know, the book launched about six or eight, six or seven weeks ago, and I've done quite a few radio interviews in that time. The vast majority have been with men. Yes. But without exception, the men have read the book, enjoyed the book, identified with bits of the book. And that is unexpected to me. I didn't expect that. And that has really cheered me, um, you know, that, that that men are interested and that men get it. And you know what it is from, may I say this from a male point of view, it's that point you just make. You talk to your girlfriends, your book yes. clubs, the women... Men are not good at that. And no. I think when I read this book, I just love the honesty. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to, to women out there, it's actually, you know, it's actually safer than we think to share mm. our stuff with men mm. as well as women. And I think the more men that understand the stuff that women go go through, the, the better the better society will be and mm. the better it certainly will be for women. I, I want to talk about aspects of this book. Yeah. Um, you're, you talk about your teens and you were tall as a teenager. And still tall. You are, you <laughs> are still yet. tall. She yeah. is tall, I can tell you that for sure. But, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're emerging as mm. a woman from your teens into your 20s. And then in your mid-20s, when you're, fair to say, you mentioned hedonistic, you know yourself yeah. what I'm talking about. Life yeah. goes wild for you. And then suddenly you're expecting a baby in 1987 and you're on your own with the yeah. baby and here's your dad and your mum from quite a conservative family and you're in that scenario. My God, I could turn the clock back and just think, Barbara, well done to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was 1987 and Ireland had improved a lot by yes. 1987, but it still had an awfully long way to go. And there was, I mean, the good things, I suppose, where that there was the, as it was beautifully called, the unmarried mother's allowance. So at mm. least there was a recognition from the state that that, that women on their own needed help. Um but there was an awful lot of judgment. Oh, yes. An awful lot of judgment. And it was assumed that because you were pregnant and you were unmarried, and in my case wasn't in a relationship, you were clearly then a slut. A fallen woman that was probably loads of men in your life coming and going. And that was the un, in largely unsaid, although I do tell a story in the book about uh, a colleague. My father had retired at this stage and was at home and I was at home on maternity Great leave. Great story. Yeah. And my father had a, a colleague and my father, if he was here, I can hear his voice in my ear. My father was a senior civil servant, mm. a position he was always very proud of. Conservative man, but a compassionate man. Um, and he had a colleague who was a man who was quite, had, had a degree of, uh, um, you know, he was kind of well known. Um, and he rang my dad for a chat one day and I happened to answer the phone. 
and passed the phone over to my dad and I could hear, I could only hear the one side of the conversation, but it went something like my father saying, no, 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 that was Barbara. Um, no, no, she's not working. And then I could feel my father getting into a bit of a flummox and he was saying, uh, no, no, she's on maternity leave. And the next, the next sentence he said was, yes, she does know who the father is. And that kind of sums up mm. Uh, where we were at. And we I was were. lucky. I had a family. My father did take a while to come to terms with the new reality. But I had a family who were supportive. And I'm conscious there were so many women and still are that don't have that support. And it is tough. It's very tough. Mm. Um, I did it on my own for 10 years. And then I met the uh, Sherwood who's mentioned. Mr. Paul Sherwood. Mr. And Sherwood. And two more daughters followed yes. then. And you and respectability. Ah, <laughs> and you became the mammy at home and everything. And your life was yeah. great. Uh, you know, but... It was. It, it's a microcosm, I have to say, of Irish life as well through yes. the decades. And that's just, I'm only uh, mentioning that one example. This whole thing of confidence and women's mm. self-confidence, mm. an awful lot like it, don't Oh, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you get older, um, it, you know, it can become something that uh, you find even harder to, because a lot of confidence is fake in it, as, as we know. But... I think as you get older, it, it can get harder. And also, if you've spent any time as a, in inverted commas, housewife. In other words, if you, as I did, I was lucky that I could take time away from my career. When I had my third baby, I couldn't j- juggle anymore. It was all. Mm. And so I decided to take 10 years off and be at home. Well, I decided to take a year off. It turned into 10 years, um, which I was very lucky. But because you are at home um, and you don't have a decent job title and you don't have really any... Um, Respect isn't the right word, but there's status. no status. That's it. Um, it it becomes you. You do start to wonder who the hell am I? Because you're just a mammy, not just a mammy, but that's the way society perceives you as. Yes. You know what are you actually doing? And I think any woman who's been in that position knows that you'll find yourself at in mixed company at a dinner party or in the pub, and somebody you don't know turns around to you. Very often, it's a man, and will say to you, "And what do you do?" And you know, like, what you're going to say is going to be like, oh, really, the eyes are going to glaze over and it's just going to have absolutely no, uh, if you like, credit attached to it. So, um, and so you've that. And I think the other thing that happens as you get older as a woman, as women, we know that we are judged from the time we're girls on how we present ourselves to the world. Mm. So, in other words, you know that um, no matter what you achieve in life as a woman, you will get extra bonus points if you look either hot or cute while you're doing it. Now, as you get older, you have that kind of sexist judgment that is uh, added to by ageism, by Mm. this nonsense that we're told that we need to fight ageing. And that's one of the things that really just boils my blood because nobody can fight ageing. You can't fight ageing. I can't fight ageing. You can do whatever the hell you want. And I've no, you know, if you want to spend your money on lotions, potions (laughs) and whatever else you want to do, that's fine. But you're not actually going to get any younger. Um, And I think I feel very strongly that we have to, women, when you get to my age, I turned 60 in January and you find, I found since probably since I turned 40, I cared less with every year that went by about what people thought about me or how I chose to live my life or anything else. But you still pulled on the magic knickers. Oh, I pulled on the magic knickers. (laughs) 
I did still pull on the magic knickers. Disaster. Absolute <laughs> unmitigated disaster. I mean, the bot. I have a piece in the book all about the magic knickers, but um, the bottom line with magic knickers when you're six feet tall is they don't work. And even if you go and spend a fortune getting the ones that are like a corset that come with straps that come up over your shoulders to ensure they don't roll down. They still don't work because mm. you've got poppers underneath to help you go into the loo. <laughs> and if you have a glass of wine and then get up to go to the oh, loo. Too, too much information. To, I, 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 I want to leave that. It's I want terrible. To, I, want to, I want to just leave that in my memory bank and think about it later. <laughs> the other thing you say, you say <laughs> menopause is an SHI dot T mm-hmm. show. You pull no bunches about this. Can be. Yeah. Yeah can be um, it can be a shit show I mean I'm not an expert on menopause I can only talk about my my experience of menopause and I have to say it wasn't bad but I know for many women it can mm. be an SHIT show but and again this is one of the things that struck me when I was about midway through the book because menopause start to, is starting to be talked about a lot more now it's hit the mainstream which is great absolutely it's part of what I was saying earlier about women's lived experience becoming part of the mainstream and the national conversation and that's brilliant but I do think, like a lot of things, when we're kind of changing the balance of something, we tend to swing all the way in another direction. Um, and I think it's very important to balance the conversation, a lot of which is around the negativity, um, to say that, number one, not all women have a, a really difficult yes. time. I mean, you know, it, it's not great, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad mm. in my experience. But the main thing for every woman is it's transitory. It's not a permanent state of affairs. You come out the other side. And that's what nobody talks about. Because when you come out the other side of menopause, as I say, around late 50s, 60s, whatever, you suddenly find, oh my God, for the first time as a woman and as a girl since I was about 12 or 13, I am completely free of my female biology. That's huge for women. Absolutely huge. We spent all our lives negotiating all the practical and psychological and emotional turmoil of our hormones. We'd spend years trying not to get pregnant. Some of us don't altogether (laughs) succeed in that one. Then we have the years of trying to get pregnant. And then you have menopause and suddenly none of that. It's all gone. That's a huge freedom. And that freedom comes along with the freedom of not really caring as much as you used to about what people think. And on top of that, possibly if you're a parent, your kids are kind of starting to not move out, but they don't need you around 24-7. So you've got this gorgeous, delicious period. And if you've looked after your health, and that's another big bit. Oh, yeah. If you've looked after your health, you have now this period in life where you're still energetic, you're still well, you're creative and you have, and if you can, fake the confidence, you can now do all of the things that perhaps in earlier years you were putting off because you had kids, because you had a job, because you had to pay the mortgage. And you've got that clock ticking, you know, I don't want to be morbid, but you have a clock ticking saying... It's so true. It's now or never. Either you do it... 60 gone, I'm the same. There you you go. You have to be honest about this. Yeah. But you're so right. And that's a very important message that this book brings. I said to you that in a funny way the swinging 60s but you know what I mean that's what lies ahead and I love your turn of phrase can I quote you I shifted my lardy arse off the sofa (laughs) you have a great turn of phrase you really have but you know that is in there as well and good health at this stage of life and I know you, you kicked the hooch in your 50s you enjoy a drink I know now but you talk about that as well there is so much Barbara in this book to be commended I really want to say that and I want to tell you folks you can meet Barbara Scully this very evening because she's at Academy Books 
in Southside, Southside Shopping Centre, just on the south side of Drogheda. You know the bookshop there, Irene, the independent bookshop. What time are you there at? I'm there at six o'clock tonight and I'm hoping loads of people will come along because this is a conversation. Yes, go along and meet this woman this <laughs> evening. You will enjoy her thoroughly. You really will. This is your first book. This is my first book. Yes, this is my first book. And I'm very uh, grateful to a a very small little publisher in the UK who took a chance on it called Jaja Publishing. And we're working very hard to get it out. Eason's have just ordered, so it should be in your in Eason's as well very soon. But independent bookshops like the Academy Bookstore that you've just mentioned have been buying it already um, and have it available. um, And it's also available on my website, barbarascully.com. Will you ever live the dream of abroad that you talk about so extensively? Do you know something? I'm just back from West Cork. And it might be West Cork. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know. you're abroad in West Cork, so the uh, yeah. accent and everything. You don't know where you are. <laughs> and in last West Cork. week with the weather, sure, you sure. know. You might have been in Spain. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the, you, you, what I like as well is, as you say, you do the decades, and then you talk it in a general sense, and, and you look ahead. And I think that's an important message to get across today: that the time is of the essence uh, at this stage. And. and What I'd like to leave people with is Gloria Stein, a great hero of mine, American feminist of the second wave feminism in the 1970s, the United States, a journalist and a writer and a thinker. And she said famously, which is also quoted in the book, she said women get more radical with age. Men get more conservative. But she said women get more radical with age. And she said someday an army of grey haired women may just take over the earth. There has never been a more important time for the grey haired or although I'd like to say silver haired women to take over the earth and to start talking and to start shouting about things that are wrong and need to be fixed and start fixing them. Well said because us boys have made a horses you know what well, of Well I think so we far. need the boys still to help. Ah, you need them but we, you're right. Shove over out of the yeah. driving seat I say. <laughs> Maybe Liz Truss will start it. Oh we won't oh, even no. go there today. No. Barbara Scully the book is called Wise Our Power Wisdom and the Older Woman coming your way Academy Books this evening from 6 o'clock. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you Jerry. Thank, Thank you. you. God there's a new weather one woman on the telly. I'm just looking at her here. I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah, who is she? What's the story? Yeah, I'm always curious about the weather women. I really am. Anyway, I'll have to check this out a little bit later on and do a little bit of research on it. Yes, the weather women. We love them, don't we? Yes, we do. Anyway, my artist of the week this week is none other than Mr. Cat Stevens. And when I tell you that controversy has courted this man, yes it has through his lifetime, especially following his conversion to the Islamic faith. In 1989 he appeared to support the fatwa against Salman Rushdie author of the Satanic Verses. To this day he actually claims he never spoke the words attributed to him and that he was framed. He did however unequivocally condemn the 9-11 attacks on the USA and indeed he appeared via video link at the big fundraising concert sub Subsequently, for all the victims that was held in New York. But here's the interesting thing. He was subsequently refused entry into the USA in 2004 and actually deported. However, the uh, incident was cleared up and two years later, he went back to the States and he performed several radio concerts across uh, the USA and all was well. He won a significant lawsuit against the World Entertainment News Network, who claimed uh, in latter years that he wouldn't speak to unveiled women. He won the case and donated his settlement to charity. Despite all this, Cat Stevens' music has shone through and endured. So, it's back to September 72 today. 
and this one from my artist of the week, the wonderful Cat Stevens. Oh, I can't keep it in. I can't keep it in. I've got to let it out. I've got to show the world. The world's got to see. See all the love. Love that's in me. I said, why walk alone? Why worry when it's warm over here? You've got so much to say. Say what you mean. Mean what you think and think anything. Oh, why? Cat Stevens and can't keep it in. Happy birthday, Cat Stevens. Yes, he's 74 today, celebrating his birthday, the great man. And I just adore his music. He's fantastic. And I'll bring you another one, final one this week from Cat Stevens, round about this time tomorrow, and more about the man himself. He's enjoying his birthday celebrations today. Up next on Late Lunch, after a final break this Thursday afternoon, Annette Callan. We've spoken to her on a number of occasions on the show. She is a remarkable woman. She's 86 years young and she has this bucket list that she's ticking things off as she does them. When you hear what she's been up to recently, stay with us on Late Lunch. My next guest is a remarkable lady. She really is and she has a bucket list and she ticks off as she does the things that she wants to do in her lifetime. I'm delighted to say hello again to Annette Callan. Hi Annette. Hello Jerry. how are you? I'm really good, thank you for joining me again on the show. Well you know what, do you know when they say Annette, somebody's walked over your grave, you know when you get those shivers in your spine? That's what I have now. <laughs> well, well, Annette, I have them too because I'm just thinking about what you did and I couldn't do it Annette. Callan, tell the listeners what you've been up to. Well I was flying a plane, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> you went up in an aircraft? Yes, I did. When did it you do when did you do this, Annette? Last Sunday. Okay, and where did you go to board the aircraft? Leakslip. Right. So down to Leakslip you went, onto the aircraft, up in the sky. You drove the plane, you flew the plane yourself. I just uh, well, not really. It just uh, a part of it. Yes. So you had a pilot with you, Annette? Oh, I did. Okay. And yeah. at one stage in the flight, now this is fair to say, the pilot handed over control. Oh, he was. He was handed <laughs> yes. over to me, I yes. know this. He gave you that control. Forward. <laughs> and, and Annette, you see, you're a very modest woman. You didn't want to tell us this. You you, you actually flew the plane yourself for a time, I didn't did. you? I did. I did. Well, listen. I did for a while. Yes, you did. Of course you did. Don't, yeah. be, don't be holding back about this. I'll tell you <laughs> one thing. First of all, I'll say to you, I wouldn't get into that plane and go up and to take charge of the controls yourself. Oh, my God. God. It was absolutely wonderful. Was it? Jerry, it was. It was a great, it was a great experience. Yes. And yeah. did, did you have any uh, lessons or anything beforehand or did you just... Oh, no. No, just did it he on the was, day? He was giving me the lessons. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this time, this time. Hey, Annette, I'd say you could teach him a thing or two. You know <laughs> what I mean, Annette? I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. Anyway, you took charge of What did it feel like when you had that... A control over the plane and you flying it? Well, you were safer up there than down on the road. <laughs> you felt that, did you? I did. It was lovely. It was yeah. lovely, Jerry. Yeah. And a lovely and all, day, wasn't it? It was a lovely... It was a beautiful day. Calm. Yeah. 
And no hustle or bustle. None at all. And a two-seater plane, was it you and the pilot? Just, yeah, the two of us. It was a two-seater, yeah. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, it was lovely. Now, compared to, explain to us, you know, I've, well, I did once, and I think it was a 12-seater I was in when I was in Alaska, but a a two-seater compared to flying, you know, normally on a plane if you're travelling somewhere on holidays, totally different, Annette. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, you're compact in it. Yes. Yes. You didn't feel claustrophobic or anything? No, no nothing like that? No, no. No. And, 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 and Annette, you know the way they spin them upside down where you do 360 no, degrees? be next Sunday. Oh, you're, are, you, are, you, are you going to do that? Oh, in Bray at the air show, is it? Yes. <laughs> oh, Annette, I don't know how you did it. Honestly, you have great guts. You really have, because you did the dive, was it two years ago you did the skydive? Yes. Yeah. And now you're flying planes. I'm flying planes. I don't know what I'll do next. <laughs> you think of anything. <laughs> and do you mind me reminding people, you're, you're a young lady, aren't you? you, you you've, you've I am, I'm very young. Very young. You're young at heart and young in outlook and young everything. But she has 86, oh, she has 86 years on the clock, folks, and she's doing these things. What is next, Annette? What, what do you want to do next? Do you? Well... I'll leave that to my family, I think. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to pick for you. You're worse than Baz and his mother. You know, you, the, the Baz and the mother and him bringing her here, there and everywhere to do things. Is that what you are with that crowd egging you on to do this, that and the other? My, I don't have to egg me on. No, I know that. Don't I know that. Me for a present. I know, I know, I know. You're a willing... I'll be able to do that. Yes, you're a willing victim. Do you still do the headstand in the mornings? Every morning I get up, I do my headstand. When I do my yoga. And if I time, I go on my bike. Yeah, fantastic. And and that headstand, how long do you stay on your head for the wrong way up? Two or three minutes. It's and very good, Jerry. You should try it. <laughs> They'd probably tell you, I'm on my head for years here and I haven't realised it. <laughs> You hear people saying I'm on top of my head. Yes. Yeah, well, you literally are. And what do you find it does? It just brings the blood down to... It's it, good. It's good. To, yeah. yeah. The blood is flowing the other way. Yes. Yeah, it's very so good. It's one of your it tips. It's up the wall, either. Eh? It's very good. <laughs> You're an unbelievably inspirational <laughs> woman. You really, really are. But look, this is an experience like no other to go up in the skies, take charge of a plane, fly it for yourself. Yeah. Ah, listen, it's it, it's just fantastic. Is Deirdre beside you there, is she? She is. Will you put her on to me for a second? I will indeed. Okay, okay Jerry. Lovely Thanks. Talking lovely you, talking to you, Annette. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Deirdre. Hello, Jerry. Deirdre, How are you? Deirdre, I'll tell you one thing. What are we going to do with this woman? <laughs> well, I, that's, that was my question to you. Do you want to whisper to me? Don't let her hear. What's the next plan? Have you a plan B or C well, or D? We have a few ideas up her sleeve. Have I think you? she's a, she's a bit of a demon for speed, so maybe a track day or oh maybe a bit God. of power motoring. We'll see what we can find when we can pull out of the bag for her. Yeah. No, no, she's good. And this is all really from her. I'm saying we're, we're joking saying this because a few years ago we were in... Um, a, a museum in, in San Diego, an aircraft carrier museum, and she sat into an F-14 
And she said, God, I'd love to have a go at flying something like this. Well, not quite. That's, this is top, can, top gun territory, you know. But anyway, we kind of got the idea in our head. Maybe we could get her up in the skies. So there you are. Dreams come true. You did it. You, you did plane. it. Yeah, I must did. see if we can put her in touch with Tom Cruise <laughs> for, top gun, for Top Gun 3. <laughs> Who don't, this, this yeah. is a possibility for this woman. But I think, I, I think you're the Baz of the family. I think you're the Baz, Deirdre. I'm I think. <laughs> Well, as she said, she doesn't need much encouragement, Jerry, no. that's for sure. No. But she doesn't. During lockdown, it was hard. She would have done another skydive, I would say. Yes. And sure, we had to try and do our best. My husband has a motorbike. She got out of the back of the motorbike with him for a bit of a rip down the road. She enjoyed <laughs> that. So that's just, whatever whatever we suggest, she's not, she, she, she's uh, forthcoming yes. anyway, yeah. She's game for it, which is, which is game, wonderful, which is you know. And she's in great health, which is wonderful. I mean, she's... No medication, no nothing. She's so healthy and well able for it. So it's great. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, she's an inspiration to us. Anyway, that's for sure. She certainly is. And she'd put an awful lot of us to shame in terms of our energy and what she does and what she plans to do as well in the future. You're lucky to have such a wonderful mum. I I say that to you again. You you really, really are. Anyway, watch this space. We'll be back on late lunch when when Annette Callan (laughs) decides what her next challenge is. But folks, she's been. Up flying the skies over Ireland last weekend, yes. taking charge of a two-seater plane herself. Watch out, Bray. She could be on the way for sure. <laughs> anyway, Indeed. thank you, Deirdre. Thank, thank you for joining you, us Thanks again this show. Take care of yourselves. Thank bye you. bye. Bye bye. That's uh, uh, Deirdre there, daughter of the wonderful Annette Callan, who is a fantastic, inspirational woman. Anyway, that's almost a lot on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow on the show, etiquette. Tara Walker, David Sheehan, comedy, Borks, banter, and more besides. Eddie's coming next. See you for Friday show, 1.30. It's George Ezra. Lily moved to the city, she just turned 21. And then I said, here's my number, hit me up if you're needing anyone. And then I could be anyone, 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 anyone for you. Anyone, 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 anyone. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.